Welcome to Mountain Page Musings, broadcasted from Mountain Page Theater in Saluda, North Carolina. I am your host, Sam Woodbury. And I am your co-host, Ashley Sandall. We are here to talk about everything in the Southern Blue Ridge. And interview all of the coolest people in our area. So settle in for Mountain Musings. I hear those floorboards creaking under my Welcome! This is our very first episode of Mountain Page Musings, broadcasted from the Mountain Page Theater, um, right up here in Saluda. And um, I am your co-host. My name is Ashley Sandall. I am one of the Mountain Page players here, one of the adult um, troupe members here at the theater. I am also a local real estate agent with the Looking Glass Real Estate Office that just opened next to the post office. I am greatly involved in everything in the community. I'm so, so, so excited to be here. Thank you, Sam, for allowing me to be part of this. Um, and this is the, the host host. This is Sam Woodbury. So. Hi. <laughs> As she said, Sam Woodbury, a Western North Carolina native that's broadcasting from the theater to bring everything from the Southern Blue Ridge that I find interesting and, and hopefully informative to our viewers and listeners. Well, we hope that you look forward to this podcast. We will have weekly episodes, um, and we will hear all about local happenings, stuff going on in the theater, history. We're going to have someone from the train depot here in one of our next episodes. There's just a lot of really cool information we're going to be talking about, and um, we're looking forward to sharing it with you. All right, we'll be back in just a moment with our first official episode. Yay! All right, so we are here at Mountain Page Theater, um, right up here, 1303 Mountain Page Road in Saluda, North Carolina, um, sitting on the stage, which you'll see in our YouTube channel. If you go and uh, say hi to us there, you can see this all live and unedited, so it's going to be just glorious. Um, you know, it's our first our first show, so we got some kinks, but we're going to work them out. <laughs> be great um so anyways we are nestled between these two cow pastures which i just am in love with there's always babies it's this i just the from the moment i came up here into this mountain page community i fell in love with it why is this place so special well in the 2.3 miles from town we gain about 150 feet to 200 feet in elevation so it being in a rugged area with the South Carolina line only being a, a mile and a half away, and we abut 18,000 acres of the Gravel watershed. Ooh. That also adds to the isolation and the rural charm that's here. It's the headwaters of the Packlet River, just south of the Continental Divide. Also, we have the Green River that comes through the area, 
and it's a vacation wonderland that uh, right in the middle of the east. It really uh, is a wonderland. I, I used to call this place the land of beer and waterfalls. Well, also it's such a wonderland. On the on the three miles on the other side of Saluda, we have sixteen thousand acres of the Green Green River game lands. So we have a huge kayaking and hiking and camping opportunity, along with uh, it being the game lands uh, for the local hunters to be able to to use to help manage the wildlife here. So speaking of the Greenville watershed, I heard some crazy old wives tale maybe that there's some like freaky government stuff going on down there and when you drive through the greenville watershed from the moment that you enter it to the moment you exit you never see an animal not a bird not a squirrel no nothing and i've driven it a ton of times and i've never oh, seen an animal oh, oh. is there some freaky government thing going no, on down there's there? no freaky government thing <laughs> because it's uh basically a bear sanctuary Oh. Uh, just south of here is the little town of Landrum, and at the uh, base of Hogback Mountain, a record South Carolina bear was, was killed a few years ago with 645 pounds. So uh, having 18,000 acres to roam, we also have boar, and we... Uh, uh, yeah, again, have so no hunting in there. Anything? No, allowed. there's it's no all access. Totally restricted. It's all totally restricted. That's why you yeah you, know, you you can't see any of the wildlife that you're because talking they don't about. need to hang out near the road. No, because they've got all the other places they, to hang out. Yes, so this exactly. is a this is something that I've heard from a ton of locals a bunch of times. It, does everyone really think that, or are they just messing with me because I'm gullible? I think they're messing with you because I've never heard that. Really? No, I've never heard that. I'm so gullible. You can talk me into anything or tell me anything and I'll believe it. <laughs> well, only having access one way in and one way out, basically, yeah. uh, is also uh, contributes to the isolation of the area. Yeah. So we have some really cool events that, like this one event I've heard of, I've never been able to figure out how to get into it. There's some crazy kayaking festival and some secret path into the woods everyone takes to climb out to this gorge where they watch the kayakers go through. What is that? When does that take place? Well, it's the first weekend of November. Uh, it's a kayak race that was set up oh, about 25 years ago that has now... Uh, uh, advanced into they videotape it live now. Yeah. So you could stream it and not have to hike six miles in. Is to, it six miles? It's a, it's a, it's it's quite a, a, a trek to get into to see the Narrows, which so is a uh, a very very class five uh, obstacle that people navigate. Uh, the crazy thing about this kayak race is you have people from all over the world come. And there's no prize money. It's mainly just bragging rights and a small trophy. <laughs> they videotape it, so they always uh, view it uh, at the end of the videotaping at uh, usually Blue Ridge Community College. In oh, there. fun. And they, uh, but I remember talking to some guys from Italy that had come here. And again, for, All the no, way here for, that for, race. for no prize money. Wow. It's mainly just bragging rights. Where do they put in for that? What's the put in over at Pot Shoals? They, what do they you know put about in, that? They put it at Pot Shoals. They put in there. Yes. So don't. So you're telling me don't ever like get in a tube at Pot Shoals and go for a ride down the Green River? No. <laughs> no, you want to use the lower green. 
which you can uh, access by fish top. Okay, cool. I really want to get one of those little shredders, like the two-person rafts. I think you can take one of those down there. Yes, but still, you don't want to uh, go through the the narrows. And, no. uh, and there's two other, two or three other places. Something called Gorilla is another one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, there's been uh, some unfortunate mishaps where we've had some drownings, which that shows how Oof. how intense it is. Yeah, I'll stick to my Section 9 up in the French Broad, maybe, I guess. <laughs> it's very mellow up there. There's a couple of good rap- rapids up there, but mostly it's mellow. We used to do that. Did you ever hear about that um, French Broad Music Festival mm. up in Hot Springs? They had it for years. Oh, yes. They just yes. canceled it. Oh, really? Yes. The Hot Springs Campground didn't want to do it anymore. And that was devastating because that is, was the most kid-friendly music festival I've ever heard of. I mean, you have little kids running all over the place playing frisbee babies, just stumbling around in, like, hippie outfits. Just the cutest thing I ever saw. I wish we could figure out a music festival like that here. You think we could talk the Orchard Lake Campground into doing mm, some sort of a probably not big-time be- music thing? Probably yeah. not because they have people that rent year-round for a lot of their campsites, and yeah. I'm sure that they would not like the, you know, an infusion of strange people <laughs> as hippies or want to be. <laughs> I love the hippies. Um, so, so ha, now, have you guys ever thought of doing any sort of a, a rock type of music thing here on this stage and doing some sort of a battle of the bands or anything? Has that ever been something you just discussed? Well, we've uh, put forward uh, the interest with, with other people. It seems to be they'll talk about it but then when it comes to executing the they seem to disappear mm, well we have the albino skunk festival so tell me about skunk fest skunk fest is held every april and every october i believe september october it's in greer which is between greenville and spartanburg and only about 30 minutes from here is that a kid-friendly one? Yes, it's very much a kid-friendly festival. It's you can have outdoor camping, and but you can also do uh, one-day uh, tickets for starting on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Do people bring their campers, or is it tents only? I'm not sure of that. I do know that a fun fact about the breweries: why there's all these breweries around here. Have you ever heard this? Because we have really good water for brewing beer. Well, that was, and also again being the middle in the east, uh, like I said earlier, uh, but having uh, the reservoirs of Asheville uh, abutting the Blue Ridge Parkway, that uh, is all game land or no national park land and state-owned land that with no access, it's some of the cleanest water, purest water in in the country. And we really don't have a, a drought problem because we have two big bee tree uh, reservoir and North Fork reservoir. Well, then aren't we technically a temperate rainforest? Yes. And some people even call it subtropical in some areas. Really? Yeah. Well, the biodiversity uh, of the region was... Uh, it, it was... It was during the ice age that a lot of the plants were chasing or were avoiding the ice as it pressed down from the north along the Appalachian spine. So that's why we have a lot of the same uh, 
trees and plants that we have in Canada. Really? Yes, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park is uh, known as a one of the world's greatest biospheres because it it has 300 kinds of salamanders oh as my an goodness. example. Yeah, place the things that you never see anywhere else in the rest of the world. Yeah. That's most, very cool. Most of the of the region doesn't have the high peaks of the Blue Ridge Parkway between Asheville and Waynesville is the most above 5,000 foot peaks in the whole Appalachian chain. And that's only about a 40 mile stretch. Wow. You have Cold Mountain, you have Mount Pisgah, you have uh, any number of other peaks that uh, really, really accentuate that. I know when I was moving here, I was looking at the mountains and I saw that there were a few ski mountains in the area. And I, you know, took a quick look at them. It's like, oh, Catalucci's got 14 runs. I'm like, 14? That's not too bad. But it's not 14 runs. Like, you have 14 runs in New Hampshire or Maine or out in Mammoth Lakes, California. It's like every time the trail takes a turn, they rename it something different. So it's three runs. <laughs> and although we have all these crazy tall mountains, you know, Mount Mitchell and Cold Mountain, <laughs> Catalucci is basically just a hill. So that's another surprising uh, fact of, you know, Western North Carolina well, that I wasn't of, aware of. Most of the skiing, skiing is what they call in the high country, which is about two hours north of here in the Boone area. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's still very hard business for those folks because of the global warming. And, yeah. And they need to have a certain temperatures to make snow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was a big snowboarder up in New England, and I spent a year out in Mammoth Lakes, which was funny because out there it was a similar, like, 500 miles to Vegas, San Francisco. Um, What do you call it? Reno. It was, like, right in the middle. L.A., right in the middle of this little sweet spot, this cute little town in the middle of absolute nowhere. Um, Certainly much more remote than Saluda, but... Well, we uh, are very lucky in that uh, we are surrounded in a big urban area. Mm-hmm. Within an hour of here is anything you need. One point five million people. Within two hours is like four million people, and within Jeez. three hours is like ten million people. Yikes! So for us to to have the rural flavor we have, but the access to the rest of the world is is unbelievable yeah i know i love this uh these flights out of Asheville now allegiant flying nonstop to boston key west denver i mean it's just so easy well, we we're 35 three, minutes from the airport but we have three <laughs> airports we have yeah. you know, the charlotte airport's only an hour and a half away yeah and then the greenville spartanburg airport's only 45 minutes away yeah yeah we got everything we need in this little area i do love it all right we'll take a short break and we'll be back with you in a moment All right, everybody. Sam, why don't you tell us about Mountain Page Theater? Mountain Page Theater was created by Corinne Gerway six years ago with a poster in the post office. It has now grown to where she has acquired the use of a building in the tiny area of Mountain Page 
community in Henderson County. And our mission here is for the children, correct? Yes, but also you don't want to forget we have the Mountain Page Players, which is the adult group, and we also have the Young Acting Crew, which is our youngsters venue. Oh, I could never forget about the adult group. <laughs> Not after uh, the Sound of Music last year. <laughs> well, we're trying to coordinate uh, a little bit of both in some of the operations, but the, the, the Sound of Music was quite the feat, I have to admit. <laughs> it was the most fun I have ever had. Well, we're trying to uh, go all kids at the next theater production, which is The Wizard of Oz. And um, it's going really, really well. The, uh, the little ones are just killing me with the cuteness. <laughs> I can't wait to see them go, actually, in real life. Well, we also uh, want to focus on the regional acts of the area with music, theater, but also some uh, colloquialisms that you'll hear from some people, some different uh, ideas that people have. So our regional focus is going to be the Southern Blue Ridge. Now, you know everything about the Southern Blue Ridge, don't well, you? I don't know everything, but <laughs> I have experienced uh, 65 years of living in the area. Uh, Pre-interstate travel, if I went to Spartanburg from Asheville, it went down right through Saluda on 176. You went through the watershed to go to Greenville, and you went through Marshall to go to Knoxville. So I have seen uh, quite the evolution of the region. Yeah, when I moved here, gosh, it's eight years ago now, I moved here totally blind, just Googled on the internet, funky foodie, dog-friendly mountain towns. I didn't want to be too far from the East Coast. I didn't want to be um, too cold. So that left, you know, Burlington, Vermont was out immediately. That was too cold. Um, I was looking at San Luis Obispo out in California, too far from the East Coast. So I had narrowed it down to Chattanooga and Asheville. And I, nothing that you can look at online will prepare you for how big of a city Asheville has actually gotten. It blew my mind when I got here that it was a monstrosity. And yeah, and so you were born in Asheville, so you've seen it now grow from, from what? From this teeny tiny little something like Saluda all the way up to... Well, it wasn't teeny tiny. There was 50,000 people in oh, the town okay. when, I, when I was born. They've got like mid-90s now, but it's the region that has exploded. And I went through uh, moving from the outside the county, which is more rural, to when I was 10, we moved to West Asheville, where at the time was called Worst Asheville because <laughs> it was it was sort of dumpy. And but, but then again, uh, you have to realize Asheville uh, had just paid off its uh, debt from 1932 crash, or excuse me, the 29 crash. And there wasn't a lot of civic money to spend on, on the accoutrements of a, of a city. Jeez. So uh, went through the upheaval of integration, which luckily I've got to experience and, and, uh, and was a very favorable thing, even though sometimes it was a little tricky. But uh, coming out of a lot of upheaval in the 60s and then early 70s, uh, Asheville was poised to make a run later on and, and grow like it has. Jeez. Do you know, are they widening the interstate all the way down to the South Carolina border? No, they're stopping, I believe, at the interchange with US-25. So what's all this work they're doing over the Green River Gorge? 
Uh, I think that's mainly for a safety issue. Oh, okay. And then I saw that they're now putting all these huge water collection things down the Saluda grade. Well... And they're going to be repairing the damage to Howard Gap soon, correct? Well, that uh, cut was always uh, a very tough thing to do. In, in fact, the railroad was supposed was proposed uh, to come through that way, but the geologists in 1860s realized there's too much water for that to be stable. <laughs> but, you know, the arrogance of uh, the 20th century, we uh, decided, well, we're going to go that way anyway. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'm looking forward to the new bike trail, but they're certainly going to have to put some sort of a shuttle at the bottom to bring people like me back up to the top because there is no chance I am biking my ass <laughs> up the Saluda grade. There is no chance. <laughs> well, I'm sure that'll be an opportunity for uh, bike companies to uh, take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Always looking for, you know, the serial entrepreneur in me is always looking for new ways to make money. Uh, so what else do we have going on, Sam? So you've lived here all your life. Now, where, um, what are your interests? What? Why? Why are you here still? Well, I have lived in Atlanta, and I've lived in Greenville and Spartanburg, not very far out of the region. But, number one, the climate. Mm. I mean, you have four seasons. Uh, About the time you get tired one season, another one will kick in. Uh, Also, uh, I like the independent spirit of the mountain folks. Uh, You don't have a lot of groupthink. You know, and like a lot of places, uh, other than maybe in churches and maybe gated communities, you don't have a lot of cliques. Uh, I was fortunate to have a father that uh, introduced me to reading at a young age, took us to the library every two weeks, and the whole world was still there even though I didn't live, you know, far outside of it. Mm-hmm. I was also fortunate to uh, have an athletic mother that encouraged uh, participation in sports, which also teaches you to win, to lose, to how to compete, and how to be gracious in both ways. Uh, also, uh, I had three sisters that uh, would dominate the televisions, <laughs> as we only had one te- television, and my dad said, well, it's uh, majority rules, and I said... <laughs> I could never win. So consequently, I would retire to my room if I didn't want to watch Here Come the Brides <laughs> and read and listen to the radio, which I would either pick up a ball game or most of the time I was listening to music. So I think that uh, also made me much more well-rounded in uh, that kind of topic. I was uh, fortunate also to be introduced uh, to playing piano. Ooh, I didn't uh, know that. Do you I still had, play? Uh, no, I don't. I, I was, I'm not a natural musician. Uh, I could sight read. If, with a lot of practice, I could be functional at best. But what it also did was gave me an education in, in all the very kinds of music there is in the world. I was, uh, had a 75-year-old Jewish-Hungarian piano teacher that was uh, – <laughs> a child prodigy and gave his first concerto at nine. Whoa. So it was, I was always fascinated when his uh, opera singing daughter, who took voice in town also, would ring in in the middle of my lessons, and I would hear any one of five or six different languages, which a boy from the mountains never heard. 
Yeah. Wow. Now I hear some Greek dialect or some Italian dialect a little bit. It was you know with with uh, yeah it was with their English, but other than that, it was totally fascinating to to realize that there was a whole different world out there. That transitioned uh, that ability to sight read to playing saxophone in junior high and high school until I started playing two sports and didn't have enough time to, to continue playing music and doing that. What do you mean by sight read? Reading music? Yeah, reading music. Oh, cool. Let's talk about Mountain Page Theater and how you have helped to tra transform this place into what it is today. Well, number one, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm uh, involved with... Corinne Gerway, and I've always said my major job is to keep her relaxed. <laughs> so any kind of, of help that I uh, feel that she, you know, can need or wants, uh, I'm there to help. Uh, what she's doing for the community, uh, before there was no outlet for the, the creative spirit of the children. It's now grown to where uh, we have an after-school program where the bus drops off the kids every Thursday. The parents can pick their kids up here afterwards. And they have their own clubhouse where they can express themselves, run amok in our spacious uh, grounds, and be the wonderful kids that they can be. And it, they really do come to life on this stage. It's just amazing to see them transform from these shy little things to all of a sudden they're just these bright stars. It's amazing. Well, what's funny is when you hear parents and grandparents that sit in on the early uh, practices, they shake their head and says, this is never going to work. This is a train wreck. <laughs> and Corinne says, yes, it is, but we'll get through it we always do and she inspires them and whips them into shape and the next thing you know they have a wonderful production where they feel so good about themselves i've seen little ones come up to her directly after their first play and and say when are we going to do another one mm -hmm. a four-year-old and she's he, she said soon he goes well when and she said well we're going to have lots of times to do this and then he runs off and, and thinks nothing of what he said but we remember all their little cute utterances. <laughs> I didn't ever think I even liked kids until The Sound of Music. And, like, like I, I have a child, and I like her, but I don't really know any other children other Oh, you than don't that like one. other people's kids? I Is never liked it? anybody else's kids. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I did The Sound of Music, and we have these seven little Von Trapp children. And well, some of them I'm just surprised because you're adored such a... me. <laughs> and I was like, I do like kids after all. They're never going to get rid of me. I'm just well, going to volunteer very, for yakking. <laughs> we're very fortunate to have a small community where the the parents are very engaged with their children. Yeah. Uh, and we don't have a lot of uh, distractions of a lot of the bigger cities. Not to say that you know that they're not aware of what's going on because we're so wired together. But yeah. uh, for the most part, uh, they're very, very you know, disciplined. Yeah. So now, what year did the theater get acquired, this actual building? I'm not sure the exact date. It was date. 2019. 2019. Oh. So in, in three, four short years, it has turned into a small but mighty theater with a state-of-the-art sound and light system, thanks to our sound and lights guy, um, Richard Rutherford. He's amazing. Um and this after-school program that Corinne has grown, it's just fabulous. And we would like to get her on for an interview here in um, 
one of the next episodes for sure. So we can talk about all of the amazing things that she's got planned. Um, it's just getting better and better. Um, but the, the other thing about this, this amazing area, this little mountain page neighborhood that we've got up here. I mean, it's just, it's really something special, isn't it, Sam? Well, it's, uh, located in the Southern Southwestern tip of Henderson County with uh, a ridge that sort of blocks it off from the rest of the community. It being isolated from the rest of, of mainly uh, access, it has a big connection to the, the, the lower or the upper upstate of South Carolina. And it also is in a rugged area that, that very few people wanted to, to be in. But the Scots-Irish that, that came and settled here uh, liked the isolation, liked with their independence, nobody to bother them, and they uh, have thrived and have lived here for, uh, since 1817, the first white settlement in Henderson County. And they liked the trees, I think, because in Scotland, what, there was no trees. In Scotland and Ireland, they wiped out the trees, did they not? I've read about this. Where they're coming yes. here and they're like, it's en endless forests here. And, <laughs> and not that that matters much, but and some it the, really is endless forests. And some of the folks uh, came from western Pennsylvania due to the oh, Whiskey yeah. Rebellion. So they could also traffic in their moonshine. Oh. Yes. Medicinal purposes and for... <laughs> Do we still have any moonshine makers? Oh, no, I'm sure there's some around here somewhere. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back in just a few. Right, so as we start to wrap things up here, um, we're going to talk a little bit about what this podcast will bring to you going forward. Sam, what's the plan? Well, the plan is to tap in to the wonderful creativity of Western North Carolina residents, and also the the people that have of of all since it was settled by the Cherokee, uh, we're all transplants. Uh, the region has a history of of music, of uh, craftsmen, artisans, cabinet makers, uh, just a myriad of, of talents that uh, were fostered here through different generations. Yeah, we're looking forward to having some really cool um, guests on going forward. So we'll do fun, different kinds of interviews with all sorts of locals um, going forward. And um, it's just going to, it's going to be a whole lot of local, juicy awesomeness i guess well and the, the thing about you say local having as many transplants like richard rutherford who does our lighting and sound he's you know from new york by way of virginia beach in california it was in the in the uh, audio video business uh we have another gentleman uh that played uh, scrooge in one of our uh, children's performances that 
was in LA and was in the movie and uh, TV industry. So for us to uh, you know talk about the region, we have to include the new people that come in and bring a lot to the table. Uh, we hope to interview aspiring musicians, current big names if we can somehow wrangle them in here and also <laughs> we may even uh, you know interview some of the kids and l let them show their talents oh yes yeah. so we're definitely going to do a little i'd love to do a little weekly kids segment we can pop a three minute little you know one of the kids in here talking about the wizard of oz or well, what's going on you have the editing button for that because you never know what they're going to say oh i do <laughs> believe me <laughs> <laughs> yes, it could be. It'll be a fun little segment that we do for sure. Um, and then, so Richard, though, what the cool thing about Richard is that he told me he used to work for the with the Grammys and the Oscars, and that's why we ended up with all this. He was the sound and light guy for out there, so he knows so many people. Well, he, he can he, tap he, into those folks that he used to hang out with. That well, would be a fun. The Klieg lights that we have for the theater. He called one of his friends that was in the business and said, "You got anything laying around your warehouse?" And he said, "Well, I've got these Klieg lights that we used on the Airsmith tour. Nice. Remember that." <laughs> So uh, we've got a little piece of history in in our little theater here. Yeah, and it I mean, it really is. It's little, but it is so mighty. We have so many good things going on here, so many good things coming up. We've got a new show coming up that the adults are doing where we all chose some songs and we're writing a comedy play around it. So it's going to be a whole immersive theater experience for the audience this time around where we're actually going to be doing some a song outside interacting with them in character it's going to just be a riot it's going to be a very memorable night for sure or a couple of nights we hope anyways yeah, um from what i hear it's sort of a, like a monty python-esque exactly yeah it's completely <laughs> ridiculous one of the girls called it orchestrated pandemonium hey. which is a good word for it <laughs> Uh, then what else? We've got Mary Poppins coming up in the fall. So that's going to be a fun one to start doing. If anyone, if you know anyone out there that, you know, wants to audition, being Mary Poppins, you start thinking about that, okay? I'm talking to you, audience. Well, yep, you guys. <laughs> we're also always open to volunteers. You know, we uh, have people that uh, did extensive, extensive contribution to the infrastructure of this. They raised the ceiling here, the, oh, the wow. painting, the uh, Chad Blotner, the local electrician, uh, wired the whole place just for the cost of materials. Travis then, uh, a local painter that has children, and he's also participated in the theater, in the adult group. He painted the, uh, uh, the inside uh, again to uh, help with what's going on here. Yeah, the volunteers around here are absolutely amazing. Um, all right, guys. Well, it's been great, and we plan on doing this every single week for you. So, um, you know, join us next week at this exact same time. Same bat channel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, everybody. Fare ye well. Good night, folks. When Sunrises, it's time to go.